First of all, he said, if you can learn a simple trick, Scout, you'll get along a lot better with all kinds of folks. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. There is a lot of wisdom in To Kill a Mockingbird, but I think that if you were to boil it down to one sentiment, this is it. Radical empathy. An openness to stepping into the perspective of another person. And when you stop and think about it, isn't this how we tend to understand the core message of our Christian faith? Love each other as Jesus loved us. Be brothers and sisters in Christ. To be kind to one another and more important than anything, to pursue unity and peace. You would think that this call to unity is the core of Christ's message, but today's gospel questions that assumption. In today's reading, Christ recognizing that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are too few, summons his apostles and sends them forth with instructions to go to the lost sheep of Israel and proclaim the good news. He sends them out to be poor itinerants with no money, and little clothing. He asks them to rely on the kindness of strangers. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. And Jesus also gives them a simple warning. See, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Christ acknowledges that the message he is sending the apostles out to spread will be divisive, dangerously divisive. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated, all because of my name. In a way, it shouldn't be too surprising that the gospel might stoke discord. The gospel is scandalous at times. It often operates to turn our worldview upside down, but it also tends to cut against the prevailing understanding that Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. Why does the good shepherd 
the Prince of Peace, send out his messengers to spread a message that is guaranteed to provoke such a response? How can the Lamb of God also be the force that divides families, one against another? It's a hard message to hear and an even more difficult one to understand. As the mother of three boys, I am familiar with the idea of conflict, and I don't really love the idea of more. With Jesus, though, more conflict might be inescapable. A fact that's easy to forget in 21st century America where he is baked so deeply into our culture. The truth is that he brings crisis. Not a crisis in the sense of emergency, but crisis in the sense that when we hear his call, we are forced to make a decision. Do we hear his voice and turn to him or do we try to escape what he is asking of us? The consequences of that moment, that decision were much riskier for Jesus' audience and the followers of Christ who lived immediately after his death and resurrection. Choosing to follow Jesus 2,000 years ago was unsafe. It could and did divide fathers from sons and mothers from daughters. Communities were being separated and families torn apart because as the gospel spread, it began to change things. His teachings, his words, his actions, they forced a choice. Again, given our own context, the crisis moment that Jesus brings is not always immediately apparent. But the passage of time does not change the fact that our communities are made up of people. People who can be stubborn, selfish, and mean-spirited. People who can be chauvinistic. People who treat their own in-groups as somehow superior to those outside. I believe that we are more comfortable avoiding conflict and surrounding ourselves with those who are like-minded. And certainly outside our small, oftentimes separated groups, conflict remains. Sometimes people decide to fight it out publicly, sometimes privately, and other times it gets buried, ignored. Sometimes peace is just a mere ceasefire. Or worse, we confuse peace with smoldering resentment that's left to fester for weeks, months, years. Wherever two or three are gathered, there will be disagreement argument, division, and some measure of strife. Maybe it's a disagreement that arises out of the words of Jesus. 
a crisis moment in the life of a church community that forces people to reckon with the meaning of his teachings. It could also be something less fundamental, an argument about what color to paint the walls, for example. It doesn't matter what it is. Disagreements will always be part of living together. The problem doesn't lie in the division itself. It lies in how we respond to the arguments and disagreements. I think that basically there are two ways to respond to conflict. The more tempting response is to dehumanize the other person, to see them as less than a full individual, and to treat their point of view as ignorance or stupidity. That is the way that the world trains us to respond to dissent, to retreat into our respective corners and fight it out by pounding the other side into submission. But of course, that's not how Christ asks us to handle it. Jesus does not bring about instant peace. He calls us to work for justice. And he demands that we see that God is at work in all aspects of creation. It's not division that's the problem. The problem is that we convince ourselves over and over and over again that we possess more truth than our neighbors. We buy into the compelling fiction that our own view of the world has moral superiority over them and forget that our neighbors have their own experience and understanding of the truth. We could respond to discord by digging into our foxholes and preparing for war, or we could go a different route. We could all recognize that God is at work in all people, in all communities, some way, somehow. We can approach our differences with humility and grace, realizing that we all have unique perspectives and something to add to the family of God, opening our hearts and our minds to ideas that we might not necessarily share. It's so easy to settle for the notion that the gospel is all about unity and cohesion. But Jesus's message about the division the call to do the hard work that he proclaims points to our own brokenness. That maybe, no matter how hard we try, we will never be able to bring about total unity, harmony, and peace. And Jesus doesn't expect us to. That's where God comes in. He asks us to preach and live the gospel into the lives of others, to let him do his work, trusting that God is working through the word, resisting our impulse to control the outcome. Jesus did not come 
to bring about immediate peace and unity. That much is obvious. He came to reveal to us the central place of mercy, empathy, and graciousness to demonstrate that our God is a God of relationship, a God that doesn't prevent our tears, but who does promise to wipe them away. And in that respect, Atticus Finch's words to his young daughter, Scout, do cut to the core of the Christian message itself. Love each other so much that you can't help but be empathic. Not empathy for the sake of empathy, but love itself. Trusting all the while in hope that God is way ahead of us.